back here listening to In-Situ Science, where each episode we meet a different scientist and find out what a life and career in science is like behind the scenes. I'm your host, James O'Hanlon, and this episode I'm joined by agricultural scientist and nutrition expert, Natalie Morgan. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. No worries. Now, I want to get straight into chickens. Go for it. Is there a such thing as a chicken fancier? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Someone that fancies chickens? Yes, you know, you've heard the phrase pigeon fancier, right? No. No. Maybe it's not a British thing. I thought it was supremely British before anything. These people that fancy chickens, or they breed fancy chickens. Well, I know that pigeon fanciers are the people that breed your fancy pigeons and appreciate the diversity of pigeons Mm -hmm. and things like that. There is people that do do fancy chickens, (laughs) but that's not my world. (laughs) They're not good for roast chickens, so too many feathers. (laughs) But uh, that was going to be my next question. We have all these different types of chicken breeds Mm -hmm. that, I don't know, have you ever, I suppose you've done that thing where you go to the agricultural show and you go to the poultry shed and there's all the weird and wonderful breeds Mm -hmm. on show. And you just think, there is not enough breast meat on that chicken. <laughs> really? You, you, they, they just look useless to you? You're not interested no, in the weird... they look so pretty. I love chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're super cute. But yeah. yeah, not practical for roast dinners. <laughs> <laughs> and that was always my favorite part of going to like this Sydney Royal Easter show is going to the poultry shed and just yeah. seeing the bizarre ducks <laughs> and things like oh, that. Well, the ducks I, I are super cute. Developed an appreciation for Indian runners and... Oh. Indian runners are amazing. I know, they're the I best, are they? <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> they're the ducks you picture as a kid. Yeah. That's what a duck looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> At least. I don't suppose you know if it's true that they're bred like that because they were used for racing. I don't know, actually, but they <laughs> race pretty, like run pretty fast, so uh, I didn't see why not. I'm, I'm asking you duck questions. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love a duck. So, as you said, you're working on chickens that are used for making meat yeah these i'm guessing are going to be pretty different to your backyard hens chickens so all chickens came originated from like red jungle fowl Mm -hmm. but the chickens you see now definitely do not look like those ones so yeah they're bred to obviously produce a lot of meat they don't have all the colorful feathers and that Mm. and yeah we have just it's all genetic, so no hormones put in chicken food or chicken meat. <laughs> it's all just we took the biggest mom and the biggest dad, did it lots of times, mm. and now we have the meat chickens that we have now. So, yeah, their bread just have big breast meat, big thigh meat. And so yeah. these these red jungle fowl mm-hmm. that are kind of like the they are to chickens what wolves are to dogs kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. These are the yeah. ancestors, and they kind of... What, do they look like backyard chickens? Um, they're super pretty, the red jungle fowl. So mm. they're the ones with all the big swishy feathers and like all the lovely colors, the green feathers and the oranges and the reds. So yeah, you wouldn't even think they were related to our big <laughs> chunky white <laughs> chickens that we yeah. eat. But um, yeah, they all came from the same breed back in the day. Mm. And now, yeah, we've just changed their genetics and their nutrition. So we get... And so what are these yeah. ones we use for meat production and egg production look like, to give people reference? Um, just a big, white, ch- chunky chicken. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of breast meat. And, yeah, our current meat chickens, so they're fully grown by about 
49 days, mm-hmm. 42, 49, depending on when we get them. So, yeah, they've also been bred to grow real fast, real quick. So there's different strains for meat chickens versus egg chickens? Yep. So we have, so the two main meat chicken breeds are Ross and Cobb, and they're the ones all your commercial farms use. And then we have completely different chickens for layers Mm. so meat chickens their job is just meat and then our layer chickens their job is just eggs so we mainly have our eyes are browns and our high lines are our layer chickens and they look completely different so our Mm. layer chickens are our brown pretty looking ladies and then yeah our meat chickens are our chunky white feathered boys and girls so does that mean the ones that i had in my backyard growing up were probably these brown layer chickens? yeah okay yeah, and like the rescue ones that you get from the farms and that, they're all layers. Ah. All right. And so the, the meat chickens, I've heard the term broiler thrown around. Mm-hmm. What, where's the broiler word so come from? So that just means it's a meat chicken. So you have your layers and your broilers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for ages, I thought it was boiler because <laughs> they were good for boiling. But no. <laughs> well, you never know. I don't actually know where the word came from, but okay. yeah. <laughs> So obviously these are selected for highest meat yield, mm-hmm. and uh, and is is bigger always better? Um. So what we really want is uniform. So we oh. want obviously big chickens that have lots of meat, but we also want them to be as close to each other as possible in size. So for example, if KFC were buying in our chickens, they want to know that they got pretty much the same chicken every time for their cooking. Mm. So like. They want to make sure have the same temperatures and whatever and times for cooking meat. So they want to know that they're going to get the same chicken every mm. time. So, yeah, that's a big challenge is making them all uniform as well as getting them big. And also we all the health implications of making them grow so big so fast. Mm. So we deal a lot with that, with especially nutrition. So things like their legs keeping up with how fast their bodies are growing and yeah. that sort of things. So that's where all my our nutrition work comes in. And all our welfare and all that side. I'm always amazed at how precise nutrition yeah. science is. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, in my head, I think I understand animals. Animals vary. <laughs> there's big ones, there's little ones. They have variable behavior. And so this ideal of getting them all precise within mm-hmm. the same size range, is this just down to a fine art yeah just yeah people's whole jobs are nutritionists so we have to work out what ingredients we've got available at the time so for example at the moment with the drought and everything like obviously we're having issues with the grains Mm. um so we work out what grains we've got available we measure what nutrients are in them we know exactly what the chicken needs at every different age in its life and what its job is so then yeah marrying the two so we do our feed formulations so we work out exactly how we're going to meet the needs with what we've got available so yeah there's so big money in chickens nothing <laughs> like my backyard chickens no, we just, we just them throw food a bit of greens at the end of the day it's <laughs> no, <laughs> all lettuce whatever it's this all is very precise these are athletes <laughs> of, of the agriculture world yeah you know everything definitely. that's going into them everything that's mm-hmm. coming everything out. yeah we measure what goes in we measure what comes out okay. <laughs> i do a lot of work with chicken poo oh really okay. a lot <laughs> <laughs> and is this because you're doing research into them or is this something you would do in, within the industry to um, make sure in research wild really but 
Yeah, yeah in industry as well, because we don't, we want to make sure that the litter quality, so the shavings and that that they live on, mm. we have to make sure that's like good quality, so nice and dry and friable and whatever. Because if we have really bad litter quality, then we have trouble with like ammonia and litter quality's fancy name for. Oh, sorry, the poop. shavings. Okay. <laughs> poop shavings. Okay. <laughs> stuff on the ground. Yeah, of the stuff on poop. the ground. And yeah, they have trouble with their foot pads if mm. it's too horrible in the litter. And yeah, they like dust bathing and stuff. So, and that's a whole like research topic on its own. It's just litter quality and how that affects the birds and how it affects the workers that mm. are in the sheds. So again, forgive me <laughs> for being naive, but I'm thinking if this nutrition side of things is down to the, such an exact art mm-hmm. and we've figured out exactly what can go into a chicken to produce a certain amount of growth or whatever, should we not just close the book on Never chicken ends. nutrition? <laughs> Do we not know how to we feed them? We can always do it better. What, what's being um, So improved? a lot of the work we do here is looking at feed additives and enzymes and stuff. So I work a lot with enzymes to try and get more out of the grains we're feeding. So it's all about feed conversion. So how much the chicken is eating and how much we're getting out of it at the end. And so the dream would be one-to-one. So we feed it one kilogram and it puts on one kilogram exactly. Mm. But we're still not quite there. We're about one point four-ish um so yeah we're constantly trying to end different challenges so like i said at the moment the grains we've got available at the moment are different to the grains we had last week Mm. so we've got to keep tailoring it and try and sort out this variability between ingredients and yeah but surely this idea of a one-to-one food to meat ratio It's got to be impossible, right? It's like an ideal. It's an ideal. But the closer we can get, the better. (laughs) (laughs) And it's big money. So you Mm. can change feed conversion the tiniest amount, and you're talking millions of dollars. So, yeah. And at the moment, so the average Australian is eating about 50 kilos of chicken meat a year. Mm. So that's just one person and just one in the country. So, yeah, we got to keep up with making lots of chicken meat for everyone <laughs> as <laughs> well, yeah, cheaply as we possibly can because of all the chickens that people eat there's a whole lot of resources that have mm-hmm. to go into making that yeah so if you can reduce the amount of the resources mm-hmm. that we need to grow mm-hmm. to then produce yeah. chickens that's the idea yeah we want to make we want to make it as cheap as possible but get obviously a good product at the end mm. and We've only got what we've got grains-wise, so we need to work out the best way of using them. Mm. So how close to one-to-one is close enough? Because I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) chickens need to... You put a kilo of food into a chicken, it's going to have to poop some out. Mm -hmm. So there's a loss there. But then what about also things like, surely, you know, undigestible fiber and stuff has got to be good Mm -hmm. for health as in the same way it's good for us. So shouldn't that be a fraction of acceptable Yeah, so we do have acceptable. But at the moment, the biggest thing is getting how much is being wasted as low as possible. Because obviously, whatever you put in a chicken, you don't want it to poop it all out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... That's what I'm asking about fi- fiber or something mm-hmm. like that. I wouldn't call it wasted if it's going to improving... 
We still want to get as much as we can out of the fiber though. So that's why we put enzymes and stuff in. So we can break up the fiber into like the fraction sizes that the chicken can use and then mm. it's not wasting. But yeah, we need enough fiber like we do in humans to make to pass happen. stuff through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm thinking there shouldn't there be a little dedicated amount yeah, of, so of we know exactly how much indigestible fiber, but yeah. we want to try and get the microbiota to use it as much as possible. And yeah. So, yeah, less waste the best. <laughs> <laughs> so how? So these things are growing pretty fast. Mm-hmm. At what point do they then become a? Do they go from being an animal in a shed to a product? On the shelves? Um, not to me. I love them. So they always <laughs> stay a lovely little chicken. But um, when they go for processing, is yeah. When, yeah, when they become a product, really. Yeah. So they're all cute and fluffy, and then they have their, like, ugly teenager stage <laughs> <laughs> where they're, like, half fluff, half feathers, and then oh, they're yes. patchy. And then, yeah, they become our big white chicken. And then, yeah. yeah. And that is that a matter of weeks, months? Um, so the whole process is about... Yeah, between 42, 49 days. Mm-hmm. Um, some The first collection period can be about 38 days. Mm. So they have different collection times when they get them. And yeah, so quite a short lifespan. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I keep hearing that chicken consumption is just going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Why? Is that a cultural thing and that there's more demand for it or is it becoming easier to produce in comparison to other products i think both really yeah. but yeah it's a cheap source of protein and mm. it's a lot more sustainable and easier than all of our meat and oh sorry cows and sheep and everything mm. and people just like chicken <laughs> <laughs> and eggs as well yeah. like they're just yeah so sustainable in what way um, just they've got the lowest carbon footprint compared to our other meat sources. And mm. yeah, just the volume we can produce. And like I said, they're done in like six, seven weeks. So yeah. you can get a lot for in one go compared to cows and sheep and stuff. But and yeah, I just think consumers love chicken. Mm. <laughs> but I, it doesn't, I feel like chicken farming doesn't have the, the romanticism of like driving cattle. I know. <laughs> It makes me sad. <laughs> and no one, yeah, they underestimate the chicken. <laughs> yeah, like you go into a, a butcher shop and in the shop front window will mm-hmm. be all the display ribs and meats and this yeah. sort of luscious rack of lamb and stuff. And then just the little chicken breast. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> hanging out their prized pink squishy no. chicken breast. But pretty much everyone eats chicken. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't stop them. And yeah, it's cheaper, like, people can afford to eat chicken mm. a lot in the week compared to what they can afford on yeah, yeah. lamb and stuff, so. So you're doing research here in the poultry hub? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, do bits for poultry hub and also just the UNE poultry research group. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good fun. Does that mean there are other forms of poultry research going on here or is it just chickens? Um, There's not so like a no, turkey shed somewhere. Um, I don't know, we we've been talking about turkeys, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> but no, at the moment, just chickens. Like, yeah. And most of our funding comes from chickens. So mm. most of us are funded by industry. So like companies that want us to test their feed additives or whatever. and mm. Or, yeah, come or the actual 
producers themselves pay us to do trials and stuff for them. Yeah. Yeah, so people want chickens their main focus at the moment. Mm. Like, because it is so popular and whatever. So, but no, I would love to do some turkeys. Although I find turkeys pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a turkey farm recently and I was pretty traumatised. <laughs> <laughs> Two podcasts ago, I just chatted to a guy who grew up on an emu farm. Oh, Maybe wow. we should get that happening again. Yeah. Some native... They're probably even scarier than turkeys, though. Oh, he did say that they were <laughs> it was a terrifying place to grow up, be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. A six-year-old boy chased around by yeah. emus. But, but no, turkeys are super cute. <laughs> but they're just not when you're in a big shed full of them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and so on top of the research you were doing at the Poultry mm-hmm. Hub, you're also doing lots of outreach yeah. and communicating yeah. with the community so about what goes on here. Yeah, doing education officer stuff with mm. Poultry Hub. So, yeah, promoting the chicken love, really. Teaching people where their food comes from mm. and how the industry works. And like you said, people don't think much. Like when they think agriculture and animal production, it's mainly cows and sheep and that they focus on. Mm. No one really thinks so much about the poultry industry. And so, yeah, just teaching them about how big it is and what scales we're talking and how it all works. And, yeah, so quite a bit with high school kids and primary school kids and teaching them about how we measure egg quality and what we feed chickens and why and yeah. how do we measure egg quality <laughs> <laughs> what makes a good egg um so in the factories we do candling which is just shining lights through eggs to see what cracks and stuff right. we weigh the eggs because obviously if you buy a box of eggs you want to know that you're going to get a consistent box of eggs every time so mm. we weigh them all um, we look for any dirty eggs, so any excreta or litter or whatever stuck to eggs. Um, and so with the kids, we also get them to crack the eggs, which you would think a child had never cracked an egg before. It's how excited they get about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, they go crazy for cracking eggs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we measure like, we look at yolk color and stuff and mm. how you can tell how fresh the egg is based on how big the albumin is. And yeah, so... So talking about this sort of consistency of the eggs we can buy and wanting to Mm -hmm. have consistent size chicken breasts or whatever, you know, I I feel like we've heard a lot about sort of issues in the industry with fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. where lots of consumers are, are, or we're told that consumers want a particular sized carrot or a particular curvature banana and it's (laughs) this sort of back and forth where supermarkets are saying, well, no, it's the consumers that want this. And the consumers saying, well, I didn't know there was any other option. I'd happily buy a two-foot-long yeah. banana type of thing. <laughs> and that ends up with lots of wastage of fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables because of that. Is is that still an issue then with meat and eggs? Is um, it just a certain fraction that can't be used? So for eggs, like, they're graded depending on where they're going to go. So, like, you have your like different size eggs, mm. your extra large and whatever, and that's all based on weight. And then you have your eggs that go to the shop for those products, and then the eggs that will go for being in products, so like okay. cake mixes and whatever. So yeah. any eggs that wouldn't be so good for that would go into your products more. Mm. And the meat industry, so a lot of it can go into pet food and stuff, anything mm. that's not used for you humans but um because they're all the chickens are so consistent and the processing plants are so efficient and whatever mm. there doesn't tend to be 
too much waste. Anything that's wasted, like I said, can go into pet food or can be like rendered so we can boil it up and get the fat from it and stuff. And yeah, so not not in the same way fruit and veg is yeah. so crazy. It's not yeah. so bad with chicken. Or like, yeah, so chicken breasts would be different to products of cut up chicken and stuff. Like, mm. yeah. See, I'm, I, I'm in that weird mindset where I go to the supermarket and I see all the different sized egg things. Mm-hmm. And straight away I go, who's going to buy these stupid little eggs? I'm going <laughs> to get the extra large jumbo eggs. Because <laughs> you get more egg per egg, right? That's Depends. <laughs> if you're baking and you get the wrong egg, okay. it can be a stressful <laughs> event. <laughs> uh, I have been told off for buying too big of bananas too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're doing this outreach and you said that it's great introducing people to where their food comes from. Are you ever mm-hmm. surprised at sort of the lack of connection yes. between people and their food? More worried. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? No, it's just like, just crazy that people don't, like kids, I guess mainly, they're just like, well, chicken just comes from the shop. But you're mm. like, but pre-shop, <laughs> like yeah. where does that come from? And yeah, just it's scary, really. But it's cool that we're able to go around to quite a lot of schools and mm. talk to kids about that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, we want people to understand the amount of effort and work that goes into mm-hmm. agriculture and where people's food comes from. I feel like you're also having to deal with this extra complicated component of this is animal-derived food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, both you and I do lots of science outreach about animals and I get to do the, hey, look at these cool animals, aren't they wonderful? Mm-hmm. There's all the fun stuff they do. We're not looking, let's give them a hug. <laughs> Whereas I'm you're like, doing, here's your chicken nugget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how does that go down with kids? Um, it's a lot easier with kids than it is with adults, to be all honest. Right. Like, they're pretty open-minded and you're yeah. like, chicken is chicken. Like, chicken you're eating is the same as chicken the animal. Like, yeah. yeah. So... Not, yeah, I've never had any dramas. They're pretty open-minded and they just ask lots of questions. Mm. And yeah, we always take with us, we have these taxidermy chickens, so meat, chicken <laughs> and a layer. And yeah, they just, they're lots of questions. And mm. no, it's, it's good. Like they're enthusiastic and they're pretty, yeah. And I feel like there's a certain age where kids are just fascinated by yeah death. Whenever I was doing school workshops in the museum and you'd be pointing at <laughs> specimens and stuff they would just go down the rabbit hole of is that dead yeah did i get a lot of it? that the like, who killed it when did it die yeah. it, how did it die all those and things and they're like what happened to its organs like, <laughs> 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 yeah. so is that something you get asked a lot do the kids just turn around and go did, did you kill it yeah a lot <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the answer is yes <laughs> no, not these ones. no um yeah but I think find them useful having like taxidermy chickens there because mm. a lot of them haven't even been near live chickens. So yeah, yeah. Especially when you go to like the bigger cities and stuff. Like, yeah. Mm. So, is, would you say it's easier doing the outreach around here in Armadale as opposed to going yeah. to a city especially like Tamworth's like the mecca of chicken. Mm. So, pretty easy around there. But yeah. yeah, when we go to like bigger cities, it's a bit. And you said it's a bit harder with adults sometimes. Yeah, they tend to be a bit more, like, horrified that a chicken only lives seven weeks or whatever. Mm. You're like, do you eat chicken? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, th- how does an adult 
become more in touch with the food they're eating is a question. It's true. Like, I'm not a specialist and that's something. <laughs> like that. But I think, yeah, I think we find it useful teaching the kids because then they tend to talk to the parents mm. and learn through that way. Um, but I don't know, it's scary with some of the, especially adults that just haven't had any agricultural backgrounds. Mm. Like, they just have no idea. So I think we need to promote stuff more and yeah i'm thinking more i mean obviously this is an industry right there's a whole big body behind Mm -hmm. producing all this food for the massive population we have and that's probably also part and parcel of the disconnect yeah people have because we never get to see that side of it we just see Mm -hmm. the shrink wrap thing in the supermarkets I don't know, is, is there a way we could sort of encourage more small-scale farmers or something like that? Yeah, so I think people, uh, like nowadays, a lot of people have pet chickens, and mm. I think that is helping, like at least they're seeing where eggs come from mm. and have a better understanding of lands. But yeah, I think it's trickier with meat a bit more, like, because you don't, they don't really see meat chickens, and when you go past chicken farms, like, you don't actually know what's inside as much compared mm. to, like, cattle and sheep. You see them roaming around and even, like, your free-range birds, you would see them out. But mm. I think, yeah, I think we need to just raise education and have stuff like education farms where people can go and have a look around mm. chicken farms and just see inside. So, yeah, that's one of the things that we've been talking about with Poultry Hub, like, farms where there's glass at the side so people can mm. look in or... Like chances where big companies are open for the public and they can yeah. just have a look around, and because I think the not knowing is probably worse than like yeah. people get ideas in their heads or yeah. So I think we just need to be a bit more transparent with it all. And yeah, just that, like you said, just that idea of there being a barn there. Yeah, they're like, we well, don't know what's in there. Yeah, like. even though it's just because they need walls so they don't escape. Yeah. <laughs> But straight away but you go, what are they trying to hide? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. So, yeah, the more transparent we can be and, like... Mm. I mean, it's such a huge cultural shift, though, from, what, a couple of generations ago where if you're going to eat meat, you killed the animal yourself. Yeah, definitely. So there is that huge disconnect now between yeah. the shop and yeah. the animal at the beginning. Um, so it's just education, I guess, with anything. Like, mm. we just need to get the word out there a bit more and... Yeah, it's, it's tough though because I did the exact same thing because obviously I eat meat and want mm-hmm. to be okay with it and confront where my food's coming from. So I decided as soon as I moved to the country, I'm going to take up hunting because mm-hmm. if I'm going to continue eating meat, I've got to be involved in mm. getting and processing my own food. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't done it. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> like <I don't laughs> Particularly in Australia, there isn't like a hunting culture like there would be in mm. probably the UK or North America yeah, or anything like that. Yeah, So... I would not know where to go hunting no. in Armadale. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, forget all the learning how to handle weapons and yeah. all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I don't trust myself with weapons. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, on on this barn thing, mm-hmm. what's the verdict on free range, barn mm-hmm. laid, caged? The 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 instinct is that ethically free range is better. So it's all 
consume like people's preference really there's good and bads to all systems mm. like they all have their pros and cons so yeah free range birds can display their natural behaviors obviously more mm. than a cage bird can and like be outside and scratch around and whatever um but they're much more at risk to predators and diseases outside so like if a wild bird has a disease it flies over your free range farm peas Chicken gets the disease, does that? Mm. Wipes out your whole flock. So there's that side of it. So yeah, disease, predators, and um, yeah, just being exposed to the elements and stuff mm. compared to a cage bird, which is very much protected, but obviously can't display its natural behaviors in a cage the same mm. way. Um, also, we have to think about the stress associated with different systems. So like... Um, one bird can recognize pretty much a hundred other birds and no more than that. So it knows it's a hundred mates in its house. Mm. Um, but after that, it doesn't know any others. So if it's in a big group, then the hierarchy, they can get stressed out by trying to sort out the hierarchy and know where their place is within mm. the group. Um, so barn and free range, they're more stressed in their social status and stuff than they are in a cage. In a cage, there's about six birds in a cage and they're all equal, there's no. Mm. But... Yeah, it, so and if you bought an egg and it was a free-range egg, a cage egg, and a barn egg, and you measured the nutrients in them, they're all the same. We're mm. feeding the birds the same. Like, the eggs are the same. But it's all, yeah, just consumer preference about how they feel about different systems. Mm. Obviously, cage eggs can be a lot cheaper because they're all housed together, and we have a lot more control of over cage and barn conditions so we can make like the dream temperature for the birds and mm. humidity and everything but just so people know what we're talking about sorry <laughs> when, when when we say cage mm -hmm. chickens people's minds might go to the idea of battery hen type oh. production mm -hmm. what, what are we talking about what's the conditions in a cage so in a cage you've got about six usually six birds in a cage mm -hmm. and you just got cages sort of stacked on top and then they have like a conveyor belt underneath that takes away all the poo. Mm. So they're not in their own poo at all in the cage. And also can they about to take the eggs away. And then they've got their feeders and drinkers and everything. And there's mm. like six birds in a cage. So, yeah, they have space. So it's a captive indoor yeah. production line mm -hmm. type of thing. Then what's the difference between that and barn? So barn is they're just in a big barn together. So yeah. like we were talking about with our meat chickens, there's shavings, so wood shavings on the bottom, and they have nest boxes, and often they have perches and everything. Um, so they're just in a big barn all together, just running around on shavings. And then free range is that, but they've got little pop holes at the side of the shed that let the birds outside mm -hmm. for a certain period of time. Um, so... They're the three main systems. All right, anyway. so in free range, they're not necessarily restricted to outside. They can no, no, they can come in and out. Yeah. yeah. How much do we know about <laughs> <laughs> red jungle fowl behavior and habitat requirements? So that's where the argument comes with free range, I guess. Like mm. red jungle fowl do scratch around and whatever. Um, but then they also lived in the jungle, so they had a lot more shelter and like, yeah. they could hide under trees and stuff, whereas our free-range birds, they're just in an open space. So yeah. a lot of them have like little shady, tented areas for the birds to under. But obviously, it doesn't feel as safe as being in a jungle where you can mm. hide and everything. But that's the idea. Like They can do more of their natural behaviors in free-range, so be more like a jungle mm. fowl than a cage would be. But 
Yeah, we can't mm. control as much with them. Wouldn't that be uh, an ideal situation though if you had a free range setup, but just instead of an empty paddock, you had a complex. Yep. So that's what a lot. That's what well, some research and stuff. So we call it. I think it's called a winter garden, like oh. where they can go outside. Like they have stuff outside to mm. and stuff. But again, it's maintaining it all and predators and mm. diseases and all that side of things that we mm. have to be careful about. And the weather, obviously, in Australia, it can be really hot outside sometimes. Mm. So they don't want to be out in the hot sun. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's pros and cons to all the systems. Like yeah. Um, it's just can what people prefer, really. I can see that as being the next uh, chicken marketing term. <laughs> as a winter garden <laughs> reared. Yeah. Happy little chicken. It's like when you see ca- labels on meat that says cage-free. It's like we've never put meat chickens in cages. So <laughs> oh, okay. It's yeah. already ever Yeah, or chickens. grain-fed. It's like, well, what else are we going to feed them? <laughs> <laughs> like, marketing's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? permeate free milk or something a while ago <laughs> yeah. that was always permeate yeah. free or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you've come over to australia mm-hmm. to work here in the poultry hub yeah. is that what brought you over in the first place yeah so i've been here four years now mm-hmm. so yeah came over uni's famous in the world for their chicken stuff so oh, right. yeah wanted to get here so, so you've always been in the chicken world yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I did an animal biology degree in Nottingham mm-hmm. and then sort of fell into chickens, really. Like, yeah. I really loved animal nutrition and the only really nutrition we did there was in chickens. So I started volunteering, helping look after the chickens and stuff and did my honours project. And then they asked me if I wanted to do a PhD. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then so did my PhD, did a postdoc for a year there and then came here. I think it's great that Armadale's well known <laughs> in yeah. strange circles in the UK because mm-hmm. of our chicken credentials. No, like you guys are super famous. Like we used to try and get the Australian Poultry Science Symposium like proceedings <laughs> over to England. Like, <laughs> we're like super keen. So well, uh, maybe that's what we need. I was having this discussion that Armadale doesn't have a big thing, <laughs> and maybe it needs a big thing to bring tourists in. It's chickens. You know, you, well, there's a, I'm pretty sure there is a big chicken. You know what I'm talking about with big things, right? What, like an event? Or? No, oh, you haven't encountered big things yet. It's big things. How many years have you been here, Erin? <laughs> what is that? Uh, have you seen the big banana? Oh, I know yeah. what you mean. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Banana. <laughs> I've seen a big chicken, yeah. Yes. Apples or guitars, all sorts, yeah. Well, yeah, the big golden guitars yeah. in Tamworth. Uh, yeah, so there's this thing, and it's all over Australia, where small towns, mm-hmm. I feel like it was this thing that came up in the 80s where a small town discovered <laughs> if they built a really big thing, it People was a tourist attraction, <laughs> and you would have your truck stop, and next to it you'd build a giant mango, mm-hmm. and everyone would stop at your truck stop so they could get a picture with the giant mango and say they've seen the giant mango, yeah. and then it's just sort of spread, so there's mm-hmm. giant prawns and need marinos thing. and things, and yeah. I feel like Armadale is a regional town that m- missed out on the, yeah. the big thing. We need thing. to up our game, really, don't yeah. we? Chicken mm. could be a contender. I've seen a big chicken somewhere. There's one out. It's, it's, it's not, not that big, big enough. And we you can think go of bigger. Moonby in between yeah, here and Tamworth? That's it, yeah. yeah. There's apparently, uh, I don't know how official it is, but there's rules about how big your thing has to oh, be before, before it's it an official big, big thing. Mm. And I think it has to be... A, 
at least three meters oh, in that's a wolf. given diameter, and it has to be at least uh, I think it was three times the size of the actual thing uh, that it that really it's was resembling. So if we had like a chick, then that would be easier than doing a fully grown chicken. You just have to have a three meter chicken. Okay. A three meter chick. Yeah. You can do that. So like you couldn't do a big uh, car. That's three meters long because then it would have to be uh, at least three times bigger than an actual car. So you want to start small, then you can go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else Armadale could have other than a big mortar board because it's a university <laughs> town. I don't know. What else? What else? The <laughs> we'll whack it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So how was it going? Where were you in the UK before? Um, so I was in Nottingham for eight years before I came here. Mm-hmm. And before that, I grew up sort of in between Cambridge and London. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Armadale's pretty much just sunny England. <laughs> what way? <laughs> like the weather, like you have four seasons here, mm, so yeah. that's good. It's not too humid. Like I couldn't do well with humidity. No. Um, and yeah, it's just super cute here. Yeah, you're right. The seasons is a big thing. Yeah, I need mean four seasons. It's just the wrong way around. But <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. hot Christmas, we'll never get used to. Oh, uh, really? I, I don't think no. it, One year I'm going to go north for Christmas just to experience it. Yeah. But it doesn't feel right unless it's 40 degrees. No. And you can smell sunscreen and because we still try and have like the huge roast dinner and it's just not oh yeah to the christmas <laughs> is great in australia because of the just, it does make any sense we yeah. put up fake I pine trees it. and fake mm. snow and it's 40 degrees and, <laughs> <laughs> and christmas in july what's that all about <laughs> excuse just to have no. mulled wine i don't know <laughs> true we don't need an excuse though do we no <laughs> But no, that's the only thing that weirds me out, really. Yeah. Hot Christmas. Good. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it, I can get pretty easy. And we had snow this year, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a heat wave in England at the time. <laughs> so I was like sending my mum pictures of snow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So is Australia home now then? What do you think? We're pretty settled, yeah. yeah. I do love it here. It's, yeah, everyone's so friendly. Yeah. And like... You can't go anywhere without seeing people you know, which is good and a bad thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love it. Some people do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, pretty, yeah, settled here. Yeah, it's, love it's one love of those things that at least if you don't know the person, you know of them. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know you work at Woolworths. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and you work the bar at this yeah. place. And, you know, you're it's the true. one with the big shaggy dog that mm-hmm. I've seen. You know, yeah, I love familiarity. it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And the nosy factor works for me. The which factor? The, the nosiness. Factor. Like, oh. I'm pretty nosy, so I like to <laughs> <laughs> see what's going on all the time. <laughs> make sure everyone's on their best behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know what you're known as then? Around oh, I just think. <laughs> probably probably the, the chicken lady. Yeah, I'm probably a chicken lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can work with that. <laughs> I, I know. I'm the guy with the big dog. That's, that's oh. all I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad place to be. Yeah, no, I think the dog's more famous around town than I am. So. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're going to stay anywhere, you sh- it should probably be here because mm-hmm. this is the hub of the chicken world. Exactly. Apparently. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Definitely. If people want to find out more about the research that goes on here at the Poultry Hub, mm-hmm. you can jump online or is the best place to head? Yeah. Jump online. We're all on there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just contact any of us. Google. Chickens. Chicken, <laughs> Google chickens. See if, do you know what the Armadillo Poultry Hub search results are if you just Google for chickens? No, but, but we're there. All right. Search for <laughs> University of New England yeah. Poultry Hub research. Something, yeah, something. Yeah, we'll be, be there. there. Poultry Hub will be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the Thank podcast. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you guys for listening. You can check us out online at inscituscience.com or on social media at inscituscience. If you want to hear more podcasts like this, you can support us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash inscituscience. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.